0: Before we get into the sermon this morning, I want to tell you about something exciting that's going to be. we're going to be doing in a couple weeks. Not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, we're going to be having a seminar called World Changers. And what we're going to do in this seminar, it's going to be about a two and a half hour long seminar. So we're going to have our morning service. We're going to take a break for lunch. And then we're going to uh, go right into our, our seminar called World Changers. And what we're doing in this seminar is we're going to give you tools and tips and techniques To help you change the world, to help share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel isn't shared, it is shared from a pulpit, but the primary way that God created for us to share the gospel is one on one. One person tells another person about Jesus Christ, one beggar tells another beggar where they found bread. And that's the way we're called. We're called to go out and tell all the world about Jesus Christ, but sometimes we get a little hesitant because Satan has trained us not to do that. Satan has trained us to kind of sit down and shut up. He's 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 talked to us in our ears enough that we've lost our confidence to be able to do that, even though God tells us, Jesus Christ told us, that, that he has all the power, and he will give us the power. The Holy Spirit will lead us. The Holy Spirit will guide us, but we are to train. We are to, to get better and better at it. So during this seminar, we're going to go over many things. We're going to give you some tools. We're going to give you some techniques. We're going to give you simple ways to be able to share the gospel with the people around you. So when the Holy Spirit convicts you and says, you need to share the, the love of Jesus Christ with this person, you won't have to hesitate. You can share with that person. Every single Christian is called to be a soul winner. Every single Christian is called to tell others about Jesus Christ. We just need the training and the confidence to be able to do that. That's what that, what we're going to do during that two and a half hours. It seems like a long time, doesn't it? But it's really not. We'll even break for so you can use the bathroom and stuff. But it's, it's, uh, it, it'll be entertaining, it'll be fun, and it will be something that will just fly by. Most importantly, it'll be informative. It's going to give you lots of lots of things that you're going to need to be able to share the gospel with other people. That'll be in two weeks. I'll give you more information next week. Anyway, next week we're going to have a sign-up sheet. We're also going to be putting an event on Facebook so that you can sign up on Facebook if you prefer. Um, that way we're we have an idea as to how many people are going to be here for lunch because we're going to to cater the lunch, or we're going to have the the lunch provided, so you don't have to worry about bringing anything. We'll we'll be done in here. Everybody that's staying for the seminar, we'll go over to the other building, we'll have lunch, and then we'll come back in for the seminar. Sound good? If you have questions about that, uh, see me after the service, and I'll do my very, very best to answer any questions that you have. Not next Sunday, the following Sunday. Next Sunday, I'll have the sign-up sheets here for you. And then, following that, uh, two weeks after that, we will be starting our next continue class, which I'll give you more information about that when we get a little bit closer. I don't want to confuse you with too much stuff going on all at one time. So, praise God for this. This is going to be a, a great, great time. This is something that, this isn't a, this isn't an outside seminar coming in. This is something that we are doing right here at Crossroads Baptist Church. But turn your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be looking at the Lord's Supper a little bit this morning as we prepare to to take the Lord's Supper at the end of the service this morning. So Matthew chapter 26, verse number 26, we see where Jesus Christ first instituted the Lord's Supper. Now the the disciples were gathered together, they'd gone, and they'd found a place, and they were were, uh, observing the Passover, the, the celebration of unleavened bread, which is very important. And during this celebration, during this observance, something unusual happened, something that's never happened before. Jesus Christ instituted one of the two ordinances for the church. Matthew 26, verse 26 says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it for this is my blood of the new testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins verse number 29 but i say unto you i will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when i drink it new with you in my father's kingdom and when they had sung a hymn they went out into the mount of olives so we see this where he is taking this and he's 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 drinking the the cup the juice. he's eating the bread, the unleavened bread, and he's taking these things, and he, but he's giving it a new meaning. See, prior to this, this, this feast of the Passover was all about remembering what took place in the past. Remembering what had happened back in, in, uh, when the, the, uh, the Jews were held captive in, in uh, Egypt. And the plagues came, you know, after the the first plague, the second plague, the third plague. They got all the way up to the tenth plague, and and that plague was to to kill the firstborn in every house. But in order to save the life of the firstborn in every house, what had to happen is they they had to sacrifice a lamb. And take the blood, and they dipped the hyssop in the blood, and they put it on the the posts of of the door. And when the angel of death came by, the angel of death would pass over that house. And so as death fell to all the Egyptian households, the Jews, the faithful Jews, were spared that. God spared them that the the angel of death passed over. And so every year they would get together and they would celebrate this remembrance. One of the great things, one of the things that the Jews were were good at, they they had a lot of failings at this time in their history, but one of the things they were really good at was they they were great at remembering what God had done for them. Focus. And we forget what God has done for us. All the victories he's given us, but most importantly, how he saved our souls. How we were once dying on our way to hell, but yet Jesus Christ died for us. He paid the penalty for our sins so that his blood could be applied to us so that death passes over us. And we get to have eternal life in heaven. Sometimes I think we need to spend more time remembering what God has done for us. Because I think it encourages us and energizes us for the future. So we see this is taking place here, and and they'd participated in this hundreds of times probably before. Well, not then, every year they did, but the Jewish people had, had participated in this for hundreds of years, and something changed. And today, Christians participate in hundreds of Lord's Supper services. But that doesn't necessarily mean we understand you see, the original Passover was a picture of the coming Christ. But they missed that. And I wonder if we, if we miss that sometimes with the Lord's Supper. That is not just a remembrance. It's not just a remembrance of what he did, and it is that. But it's also a remembrance and a promise for the future. Of a time when we're going to be together and we're going to observe this with him. It's a promise to us. It's important that we understand who originated this. This was originated by Jesus Christ. This institution, this instruction came from Jesus himself. It's not some man-made religious ritual. The world is full of man-made religious rituals. Almost any church or cult you go to today has a ton of man-made rituals. Things that you have to do. Sometimes we fall into that trap of things that we feel like you have to do in order to be a good Christian, but it's not something that's in the Bible. But here, this was instituted by Jesus Christ himself, not just some random person. He was in the upper room in Jerusalem, just just a few hundred feet from the Garden of Gethsemane where he would be betrayed, just hours before. He knew what was coming. This had to be confusing to the disciples because when they first observed it, and he talks about his blood being shed and his body being broken, they're probably like, what? When was your blood shed? When was your body broken? But he was speaking as to what was about to happen. Jesus Christ instituted this for them. He gave us the Lord's Supper for us so that we could remember In spite of all the betrayal that was about to happen, in spite of the crucifixion that's about to happen, he gave them an anchor, he gave them a point that they could look back to and, and remember this is what Jesus Christ did. And this is what it all means. The way we observe it matters. In Luke chapter number 24, we need to understand what this is. It serves as a reminder of the bodily redemption of our Savior. verse twenty-four, Chapter 24, verse number 26 says, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then in verse 46 of the same chapter it says, And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it be, behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This reminds us of the sacrifice that was made. The necessity of that sacrifice that was made. You see, when sin entered into the world, God God created a way that we could still enter into His presence, and that was through an animal sacrifice. The problem with the animal sacrifice was this, that it was imperfect. Why? Because it was imperfect humans instituting it using imperfect animals. And when imperfect people and imperfect animals are part of the equation, the solution is imperfect. So that blood that they would, where they would take and they would slaughter the lamb, or, and, and have that applied for their family, it was only—it was short-lived. It didn't wash away the sins. It only covered up the sins. And they had to go back every year and do it over and over and over again because it wasn't perfect. We remember a Christ. We remember a lamb that was slain for us. In the Lord's Supper, we remember that lamb that was slain for us, his perfect sacrifice, the perfect price that was paid. Which leads us to a couple of huge differences over the Old Testament. One, we don't have to do it every year because it's done once. The sacrifice was made once. The blood is applied once for the remission of sin. And secondly, it's not just covered up. When I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, my sins weren't just covered up. My sins were washed away. Isaiah talked about this hundreds of years before, saying that it was made, my heart was made as white as snow. Serves as a reminder that bodily redemption. It serves as a reminder of the the blood ransom. Look in Acts chapter number twenty. Acts chapter number twenty, verse number twenty eight, says, "Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which He hath purchased with His own blood." The church and each one of us individually is purchased with his blood. Too often we come to church just seeing what, you know, what can we get out of it. That was never the way church was supposed to be. Church wasn't supposed to be a place where we went to get something out of it. It wasn't supposed to be someplace where we went to get fed. It was a place where we came to sacrifice to God. It was a place that we came to worship God. Because he's already paid the price. We were bought by His blood. Look at First Corinthians eleven twenty six. First Corinthians chapter number eleven, verse number twenty six, says, "For oft ye, as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He comes." You see, it's not just a remembrance of what He did. It's not even just a remembrance of what he did personally in our lives. It's a remembrance and a reminder of that anchor of hope that's launched out into the future for us. Hope is an amazing word. When we talk about hope, usually in the worldly sense, when we talk about hope, it's it's a wish, right? I hope I win the lottery. I hope I get a raise. I hope my car starts. I hope there's coffee. All these things we hope, it's a wish, and sometimes, sometimes they're based upon experience, so it's, it's a, it's an educated wish, if you will. But when we talk about hope in the Bible, we're talking about something completely different. When I say that my hope rests in nothing less but Jesus and His righteousness, when I say that or when I sing that verse, I'm not talking about something that I've crossed my fingers and I'm hoping will happen one day. What I'm saying is, is that my hope is in Jesus Christ. That's an anchor that he's launched launched into the future. That one day, without a doubt, I will stand with him. One day, without a doubt, I will close my eyes and open them up in his presence. One day, without a doubt, I will reside with him in his glory. And that's not just a wish. That's a hope that's anchored in his blood. That's a hope that's anchored in the fact that we will. We will eat and drink with him again. How we observe it matters. Our our attitude. When a believer partakes of the Lord's Supper, he is reminding himself and declaring to others the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's a picture. Just like baptism is a picture, the Lord's Supper is a picture. It's a picture of his body being broken for us. It's a picture of his blood being shed for us. It's a picture of the price that was paid to purchase us. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse 27 through 31. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weakly and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged telling us about taking it unworthily. This this verse, verse 27, can be kind of broke down into two groups of people that are taking it unworthily. The first group of people that are taking it unworthily are those that that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Those are people that have not accepted the free gift of salvation. Those are people that have rejected God, but yet in order to look good among their friends and among their family, they observe the Lord's Supper anyways. The second group are those that believe, but, but they've allowed unforgiveness or some sin to corrupt their life. They're, they're living in sin or they've they've got ought against another. They, they've got somebody that they, they refuse to forgive. Instead of allowing that forgiveness to go, they, they've held on to it. You know one of the reasons why God talks about forgiving other people so much? You know, it's not for their benefit. It's for your benefit. Because when you hold on to unforgivenness, a couple of things happen. One, you're usurping the authority of God because it's His job to judge. It's His job to pour out the vengeance. And when we hold on to that unforgiveness, it starts to eat us away inside. It becomes like a cancer inside of us because that little grudge never never stays small, does it? It starts to occupy our, occupy our thoughts. I was at a funeral yesterday, and there was a lady at the funeral that I've known for many years and she was always cordial to me she wasn't a church member she was always cordial to me when I'd see her in the community and then one day something happened and now every time I see her even yesterday at the funeral she looks at me like she's just disgusted with me I don't know what I did the only time I even think about her is when she gives me a dirty look but for some reason she's held on to something that she thinks I did or something that I, I represent to her and it, it's growing inside of her. And you can see the wear in her face. You can see the wear on her body. I have no idea what it is. We were never more than just casual acquaintances. And I pointed out to me, am like, see that lady over there? I said, just watch her when I get up. And they invited me to, say, say uh, read a little bit of scripture during the, the service yesterday. It was a, another pastor was was overseeing it. They invited me, and, and so I got up, and I came back, and he's like, you're right. She's angry with you about something. And any time I've seen her, like in public, so I'll try and go to her, like, hey, how you doing? And she just walks away. I have no idea what I did. But you know what? That's not bothering me. It doesn't offend me because I don't even think about her, but she's thinking about me for some reason. It could be what I represent as a pastor. That's probably what it is. But we allow that to to harbor inside of us. It grows inside of us, and it doesn't affect the other person. That's the, the really bizarre thing. We're like, well, I can't forgive him. Well, he doesn't care, and it's not changing his life at all. It's only affecting you. That's why God always telling us, forgive, forgive, forgive. And one of the things that we need to make sure before we come to the Lord's table is we have have to have forgiveness in our heart. We have to let go of those things. Let go of those things that are destroying us. Think about this for a minute. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you because you were so valuable to the Father that the Father wants you to spend all of eternity with him. And yet you treat yourself so badly that you're going to allow unforgiveness to destroy what he loves so much. You see the selfishness. You see why it's important to him that we do those things. The Lord's Supper confronts the observer who is unsaved. The Lord's Supper also challenges the observer who is saved to count his worthiness. Something that we should be doing all the time is that that look inside of us. It's easy to point the, the finger at somebody else, isn't it? It's easy to say. Look what they did. They're not a real Christian. Can you believe that he wore that? Can you believe that he would stand in the pulpit without a tie? And with tennis shoes on? My feet hurt. Can you believe that? He's not a Christian like I am. And yet, we don't like to have that spotlight turned back on us, do we? One of those disturbing prayers that I pray, and it will be one of those disturbing prayers that you pray, is when I pray to God, God, show me my shortcomings. God, show me my sins. And it's like a floodgate's opened up. And finally, I have to get to a point, okay, that's enough for now. (laughs) I didn't mean that much. Try praying that prayer. Because here's the thing, we're all part of the body of Christ. We talked about this extensively a couple weeks ago. We're all part of the body of Christ, right? And, you know, if we would all focus upon our function and upon our spiritual health, the entire body would be healed. But we spend so much time looking at other people and and judging other people that we we don't take that time to make sure that we're healthy. It matters who's observing this. It's foolish for the lost to commemorate the death of the Lord. It's foolish for the lost, but it's also foolish for the saved who refuse to live by his standards, who refuse to to accept his righteousness and his judgment. It's foolish for a saved man to celebrate his forgiveness when we live in unforgiveness and hypocritical. Lord's Supper is a time of reflection. It's a time of remembering. And it's a time of rejoicing. We remember what he did. We reflect upon our own mortality, our own sinfulness. But we rejoice in that day that's coming.